you're listening to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Rydell. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with some of the most passionate, hardworking, and limitless thinkers on this earth who have a story to share, a brand that inspires, or a fire inside of them to live life on their own terms. The intention behind each episode is simple, and that's to include you in these conversations so that you can learn, apply, and grow in your own life and in your business. If I can share one quick secret with you before we begin, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us, but perhaps somewhere along the line, someone told you to play small, to play safe, and that led you to live an ordinary life. Tuning into Visionary Life will help you dust off the limiting beliefs you carry around so that you can begin to create your own most visionary life. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. Hey, Visionary, can I ask you a question? Do you believe that there's a correlation between our health and the success of our business? According to today's guest, Dr. Navaz, there sure is. In fact, he's lived it. And I couldn't agree more. Dr. Navaz knows firsthand that changing your state of health can drastically change your output as a business owner. When he found himself tipping the scales at 250 pounds, he knew he needed to make a change. Dr. Navaz transformed his health and his energy levels over the coming months using several of the strategies that we discuss in today's episode. Navaz also managed to accelerate the growth of his business, seeing a massive increase in revenue in just one year while he was taking better care of his health. Dr. Navaz practices as a functional medicine practitioner, working with a wide range of clients, including CEOs, entrepreneurs, executives, and professional athletes to optimize their health, vitality, and performance. He's also the author of a book called Activate Your Vagus Nerve, which shares information on how to improve the function of the most important nerve for your health. You've probably never even heard of it, right? I would highly suggest digging into Dr. Navaz's book or his online resources because it's super fascinating information. As many of you know, I used to practice as a registered holistic nutritionist, so the topic of health is always near and dear to my heart, which is why I love today's episode. I could talk forever about the correlations between how I take care of myself and the growth of my own business, but I wanted to bring on a true expert in the field. Let's welcome Dr. Navaz to the show so that he can share the top 10 health upgrades for entrepreneurs, or really for anyone looking to make a positive change in their life, health, or business. Thanks to Healthy Planet for supporting today's show. After listening to this episode with Dr. Navaz, you're going to be feeling all sorts of motivation towards improving your health, and I want you to ride the high and feel your best this summer. That's where Healthy Planet comes in. They're your one-stop shop for your health food products, your supplements, and really all of your holistic health needs. Lucky for us, they are offering you a 20 or a 10% discount on any online order over $49.99 when you use the code VISIONARY10 at checkout. That's VISIONARY10 at checkout to save 10% on any online order. So head to HealthyPlanetCanada.com and start shopping. 
I want to share a little bit about a company that I'm really, really obsessed with right now, and that is No Issue. No Issue makes premium custom tissue paper, stickers, and mailer envelopes that are perfect for small business owners and for creative people like you. Just like how Starbucks personalizes your double shot, coconut milk latte, or whatever your favorite drink is, No Issue personalizes your gift wrapping. These types of micro touch points are the difference between a brand that is memorable and one that isn't. It's just no longer an option to be really successful with an average marketing strategy. So here's the deal. If you want to create custom stickers, custom tissue paper, or custom mailers for your clients, you've got to go check out noissue.ca. You can get started really easily by uploading a design of your own, or you can even work with their team to create custom designs. You're going to love the process. You're going to love the outcome even more. And you can use the code VISIONARY at checkout to receive a discount on your first purchase. So head to noissue.ca and use the code VISIONARY at checkout. On to today's episode. Dr. Navaz, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm super excited to chat with you because you are somebody who knows your stuff when it comes to health. So thank you so much for being here today. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So let's zoom the lens back on your journey a little bit. What drove you to become a doctor of chiropractic medicine? So it's a great question. Um, For me, I always kind of knew I was going to be in the health field. I always grew up with this very empathetic background. I always knew that I was going to be doing something in healthcare. Um, whether it was in medicine, in chiropractic, naturopathy was even an option. Uh, but there was one thing that was pretty apparent to me, and I, I joke about this all the time because it was uh, completely out of character for me. When I was in my interview for chiropractic college, what I actually did was um, they asked me the question, why, why do you think you would be a good chiropractor? And I'm not exactly uh, outright funny, but for some reason in that moment I decided to say something that I immediately regretted, but then in the end was okay with. I I turned to, there was three interviewers in front of me, uh, a gentleman and two ladies, and I I turned to the ladies and I said, I've been told I'm good with my hands. Uh, Completely out of character for me. I literally am not any type of ladies man at all. Like, (laughs) one girlfriend is now my wife. Like, it's, it's not me at all to to say something like that. I immediately regretted it, but they were all laughing. (laughs) But I knew that that was the personality that I wanted to bring to that that profession. I ended up actually becoming valedictorian of my chiropractic class. Um, Cairo was was always my um, grounding feel. It really helped me when I was younger. I had a lot of upper back pain uh, when I was growing up. And the adjustments and the soft tissue therapy and the stuff that I was treated with really had a huge impact in my life. And so I decided that was the route I wanted to take. When I got into CMCC in Toronto here, I was uh, absolutely stoked. I was super, super excited and just said, let's go for it 100%. 
Amazing. I love that. I'd like to see your humorous side come out. So hopefully we get to dig more into that into the podcast. Um, I think it was maybe while you were in school or maybe a little bit after you kind of said that you hit a rock bottom and you found yourself tipping the scales at 250 pounds, kind of lacked energy. You're probably just feeling like a suboptimal version of what you knew you could feel like. So I'm wondering, could you take us back to that time in your life? And how was your lack thereof health impacting your your way of living at the time? Yeah, great question. I, I uh, started gaining some weight in university, like most people kind of do when when given the opportunity to go and, and live on their own and, and kind of fend for themselves and uh, wasn't really paying attention to what was going on with my, my food intake, wasn't really paying attention to my energy levels. I wasn't focused on a lot of things like a lot of people generally are when they get to university. And um, it, it slowly progressed. Obviously, it, it started in, the, in my frosh year. I, I gained about 20, 25 pounds. The freshman and, 25, not the freshman exactly, 15. <laughs> exactly. It wasn't the 15 for me. It was significantly more. <laughs> Um, but it slowly built up and I, I really did end up at the end of um, my, I believe, second year or third year of chiropractic college. I was essentially at that uh, between 248 and 250 pound mark. And I still remember the first time I stepped on the scale and saw that number. And it just absolutely shocked me. And I said, what am I doing? This is just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I remember just in that moment saying, okay, this is, this is just too much. I'm not going this way. I'm five foot seven. So for me, I was definitely in that obese category Mm -hmm. and I was in chiropractic college. So I'm sitting there in a school where I'm supposed to be learning about how to be absolutely healthy. I'm supposed to be aware of this and I'm supposed to get this great information to my clients, to my patients. And I'm supposed to be the, the knowledge carrier and the one that's an example to these people. And I, it just didn't feel that way. It took me a little while still to figure it out. I started trying weight loss strategies. I started trying calorie counting and a few different things. And nothing really seemed to work. I started to lose about 5, 10, 15 pounds, and it would pick back up. And I would get back up to that 240, 245 range um, pretty easily. Mm -hmm. And then what ended up happening was I was introduced to a gentleman uh, who ended up becoming my first mentor in in the field uh, by the name of Sachin Patel, who is uh, really well known in the functional medicine field. And he introduced me to what functional medicine truly was. And for those who don't know, functional medicine is what I now practice. It's, it's um, how I bring health to my clients because of the impact that it had on my health. I started realizing that my weight wasn't about my weight. It was about the cellular dysfunction that was underlying and the stressors and the issues that were underlying and the root cause of my weight gain, my weight was a symptom or a sign of something that was not working correctly inside my body. That's what the introduction Mm -hmm. to this was. And so it was a complete paradigm shift for me to say, well, weight isn't just about weight. There's something more here. And so I started, uh, I got some testing done, functional lab testing to identify what nutrients, micronutrients and macronutrients were missing in my body. Turns out I was really low on amino acids. Turns out I was really, really low on certain um, B vitamins and uh, my liver function wasn't optimal, which 
kind of made sense because I did have, in addition to that weight, um, I had IBS, I had high blood pressure, I had borderline diabetes, and I had uh, the beginnings of a fatty liver in my 20s, mm-hmm. which sadly is not uncommon at this point. But I was learning what was causing that. And so the functional lab testing told me where that came from. And turns out that it was a yeast that was triggering my challenges. And so once I was able to identify what those triggers were, I was able to take action on getting rid of those uh, issues. I also then started making some dietary changes and I ended up losing 75 pounds without trying to lose weight. I was just working to improve the underlying function of my body. In the same time, my IBS went away, my blood pressure normalized. In fact, it went into an optimal zone. Same with the blood sugar. But the thing that really stuck out to me was my energy levels. I really, really just became completely energized every morning, getting out of bed at like 5.30, 6 a.m., ready to go without the, the desire to lay in bed any further, without the desire to hit the snooze button or anything like that. I was just up and ready to go, and it just felt amazing to have my body functioning at such an optimal zone and, and just such a feeling that anything is possible, that I really wanted to get out there and do more and impact more people's lives. And at the same time, my business grew, which was really amazing. Mm-hmm. I was, I, I, at the time when all of the amazing changes happened in my health, I was owning a chiropractic practice and my, the revenue of the business went up about a hundred percent, like a full, like I essentially doubled the revenue over a full year, which was pretty spectacular considering um, that it wasn't exactly built to grow like that. So what it ended up showing me is when I have the energy, when I have health functioning well, it's like a secret weapon to really just get your business, get you going and impacting way more lives. And so that's why I shifted what I do and sold that practice and moved into functional medicine. So cool. I love that you share that whole backstory um, because number one, it's so relatable because so many people find themselves at that crossroads of being like, you know what? I need to make a change, right? Whether it's a change in your career path, a change in your health, a change in your relationship, right? I think we can all extract um, a similar moment in our life thus far. But also, it's a great reminder that oftentimes, what you're here to teach is simply an experience that you have gone through in your life. And a lot of people who aspire to start businesses listen to this podcast and they think, well, I don't really know like what makes me unique or what do I have to share with the world? And it's like, well, it's probably in some sort of challenge that you've overcome, right? Whether it's losing some weight and feeling more energy or figuring out how to cook meals for um, a whole family in batches, right? It doesn't matter, but like look at your life thus far and see what obstacles you've been able to overcome because surely there's some sort of teachable moment in that. So I think that's very inspiring. Um, tell us about where your business is at today, just quickly before we dive into the top 10 health upgrades. Like, what do you do on a daily basis? What is filling your calendar at this point? So about a year ago, I uh, launched Health Upgraded, which is my uh, online functional medicine practice. Um, I work with an amazing nutritionist as well. 
um, on my team. And what we do is we offer the highest quality functional medicine practice that we can to entrepreneurs, high performers, and um, business owners. And essentially the idea is helping them achieve optimal health so they can go and impact the world in a greater way. Mm-hmm. The business has just absolutely taken off. I, when I started it last year, was not certain that it would, but I knew that this is where I needed to be. And I just kind of followed that path and it immediately just took off. Mm-hmm. Um, on a daily basis now, I, I spend three days a week seeing clients, uh, all virtually through video calling and, and tools that I use accordingly. And I spend the rest of my time building up my practice and I'm in the process of starting up my own podcast um, in the process of uh, continuing on in chiropractic a little bit, just making sure that I have my skill set, don't lose that out. And it's also mm-hmm. nice to see people in person, which obviously after this whole COVID scenario, we're yeah. <laughs> grieving and we really understand that we need that human interaction. So mm-hmm. um, I spend most of my time focused on building the business up and impacting more and more lives to really end Uh, needless suffering around the world. I I believe that I'm not the one to be able to go out and and impact uh, millions of lives, but by impacting the lives of those that can, the uh, people around the world are going to be given technology and tools and and expertise to be able to handle their own health and to give them hope that they can end their needless suffering. Mm -hmm. I think it's really neat that you've chosen a specific market like entrepreneurs and high performers because I always say to my clients and students, I I didn't make this up, I heard it from someone else, but your body is your vessel to do your best work, right? So if you don't have good health and a mobile body and, you know, that right mindset, like if you're not taking care of yourself, you cannot build a successful, sustainable business. So I think this is such an important topic that you're hitting on, and I'm very excited to dive into the top 10 hacks for upgraded health. So first off, are these in any order of importance or are we just going to share all 10 kind of in in no order? I don't think they're in a specific order of importance, but I did kind of go through and, and talk about things that people do wrong. Uh, okay. right up. Amazing. So, um, a lot of these come up in my book. I wrote a book called Activate Your Vegas Nerve. It came out last year. And um, a lot of these are really simple tools, simple tricks that anybody can really use. They literally cost zero dollars to do. Um, mm-hmm. And they're, they're just really simple, but will have a, a really lasting impact and will really help high performers get to a new level if they start with these foundational upgrades. These are all foundational, nothing uh, that costs anything, which is great. So Perfect. All right, let's get into health upgrade number one. Where do you want to start? Let's start with breathing. Too many people breathe incorrectly. So this is a a really simple tool, a really simple trick that um, I use with all of my clients, whether they're completely sick or they really, really just need to optimize. Too many of us breathe using our accessory breathing muscles. We are using our chest muscles, our upper back muscles, our shoulder muscles to uh, create that vacuum effect in our lungs to open up the lungs. If people are in the healthcare field, they realize this. A lot of yoga teachers, a lot of nutritionists, a lot of functional medicine doctors do know this stuff. But the importance of breathing correctly is uh, understated. So um, there's a great 
tool that I have. Essentially, I have clients put one hand on their chest, one hand on their belly. They sit kind of comfortably and they take a deep breath. And what they're going to do is they're going to keep an eye on which hand is moving. Is it the hand on your chest that's expanding or is it the hand on your belly that's uh, expanding? Okay. And you keep an eye on that. And the answer uh, for which one should be moving is the hand on your belly because we should Darn. be using <laughs> our diaphragm for breathing, right? And too many of us have tight upper back muscles and shoulder muscles. We're posturally sitting there at our computers for six, eight, 10, 12 hours a day. And we're sitting there like this and then we're using these muscles to breathe. The reason that's a problem using our chest muscles, using our upper back muscles is that's actually sending a signal of stress to our bodies. Okay. It's telling our body that we should be in sympathetic mode, that we should be in that autonomic sympathetic fight or flight reaction mode mm -hmm. when we should be in the vagus mediated rest, digest and recovery state about 80 to 90% of the time. And when we breathe with our chest, think of it this way. If you were to be getting chased by a saber toothed tiger right now, what would happen? We would immediately increase our heart rate we would start having short, shallow breaths and all of them would be coming from our chest. Mm -hmm. We would go into that fight or flight mode essentially, where when we're calm, when we're relaxed and we're breathing, we're actually ideally breathing through our, our belly with our diaphragm. If you ever wanna see what it really looks like, watch a, a newborn baby breathe or some, a baby that's within kind of 12 months of, of being born. And just watch what happens with their belly. If they're laying there, you'll notice the only thing that's moving is their belly. It's pretty spectacular to see and to realize just how wrongly we are breathing because that's a natural thing that we forget how to do. So good. I'm really glad you started there because it's not where I expected you to start, but it's definitely something I know for myself I need to work on too. And like you said, all the tension from sitting all day, I definitely feel like I'm only breathing to like here. So, and for anyone who's listening to the podcast, like I'm getting that upper, um, like I'm only breathing into half of my body, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> um, so good. So what would you say then is health upgrade number two? I feel like this is where you expected me to start, and that is on the diet. Um, obviously, the, the diet that I use to uh, eliminate a lot of my weight challenges and, and that excess weight uh, was I started with the paleo-style diet, uh, cut down on the carbs, uh, minimized the processed foods, got rid of a lot of uh, the, those challenging foods, and I started eating what I call the green, clean, lean diet plus healthy fats. Um, so green, obviously, meaning starting with vegetables. We know that vegetables have all of the micronutrients that our body needs. They're not high in carbohydrates. Essentially, it's just really high in fiber, which is great for our microbiome. We know that those things are really important. Um, so green is a great place to start. Clean, I talk specifically about doing your best to eat organic, eliminating the sources of excess toxin into our body, herbicides, pesticides that a lot of crops are sprayed with. We want to eliminate that. We don't want to have a bunch of GMO-based foods. We don't want to have foods that are going to contain a lot of these herbicides and pesticides. But in addition to that, if you're eating meat, and, and I am personally a proponent of uh, consuming meat, you want to choose food that is not conventionally raised. A lot of those 
uh, farmed animals are given foods that create increased levels of omega-6 fats, which are highly inflammatory. So grain-fed cow or um, cooped up chickens, essentially. Those animals are forced to eat excess food so that the, the farmers and the, the bigger conglomerate companies that, uh, that buy all of these animals from those farmers are uh, given higher yields. And so essentially what's happening is we have these inflammatory fats with food that's with meats that are essentially uh, sped up in their reaction to uh, get to the weight where they're then ready to be sold so that yields can be met. And that's where a lot of issues come in. So I'm a big proponent of grass fed uh, beef, big proponent of uh, wild caught fish, not farmed fish at all. We don't even know what goes in there. It's really sad. And then with like chicken and pork and stuff like that, you want it to be roaming. You want them to be relatively uh, free in what they're able to choose because they're going to choose foods that they know is right for them, not what they're being uh, forced. Mm -hmm. And then I say lean specifically for if those uh, grass fed and organic meats are out of price range, we want to do your best to not have high fat conventionally raised animals. The fat is where those toxins tend to remain and lie. And fats then, if you're consuming those fats, will create excess toxic burden inside your body. And that's why I specifically say add the healthy fats into your diet beyond that. So with the healthy fats, what I'm talking about specifically are minimally processed um, and specifically uh, raised from, from healthy states. So mm -hmm. um, avocado oil, grass-fed butter, things like um, coconut oil, olive oil, those are really healthy, good fats. Olives are great fats if you can get organic options. We want to do our best to get a green, clean, and lean diet plus healthy fats into our diet because what that then does is it eliminates the toxins, it eliminates the excess need for our body to create fat so we can store more toxin because we can't always eliminate it if our livers are not functioning well. And that'll really help to get rid of sugars, get rid of that insulin response. It's just a great simple tool, green, clean, lean, plus healthy fat. Mm -hmm. When you have entrepreneurs and high performers who come to you that they're like, I know I need to be eating well, but I simply don't have time because I work 14 or 16 hours a day. What is like your top tip for somebody who says that to you? There's a couple things. So what I'll say first off is if you don't have the, um, the time, order the best quality food that you possibly can from a source mm -hmm. that you trust. In Toronto yeah. here, uh, there's a wonderful place that I order food from occasionally. Um, I'll get my meats from True Local, which is a wonderful tool. And um, there's a place called Athlete's Kitchen in Toronto, which I mm -hmm. absolutely love. Their food is spectacular. Everything is grass-fed, organic meats, um, organic vegetables. Everything just tastes spectacular. Uh, Oscar, the owner of Athlete's Kitchen, wonderful guy. Um, a lot of my clients that are high performers that don't have time use that Athlete's Kitchen in Toronto. And whatever city you're in, I guarantee you there's a source for good organic meals that are prepped for you that literally get delivered to you either once or twice a week and you can literally put them in your fridge, pull them out, 
toss them in a microwave, toss them in the oven and get yourself mm -hmm. a, a very healthy, very delicious meal. And you can choose kind of what you want. If you yeah. don't have the budget to be able to manage those things, batch cooking is the next best way to go. Mm -hmm. We all have three to four hours on the weekend, one day per week to build out our meals for three or four days at minimum. Batch cooking is one of the best things you can do. You can pull three hours to take care of yourself because that three hours is then going to eliminate decision fatigue for the next seven or eight days. It's totally mm -hmm. worth that investment so that you are then functioning at a high level and so that you then don't have to continue to make a bunch of decisions over the next five or six days and you can eliminate that decision fatigue. So as an entrepreneur, you don't have to worry about what am I going to eat that day? What healthy choice am I going to have? It's already done for you. I like that idea just because like I'm the type of person that I want to pour my creative energy into my work, not what am I going to wear today? What am I going to eat today? Like what recipe do I want to put in the crock pot? It's just like just do it once a week, make sure it's healthy and then continue to reap the benefits for the next seven days. So I think that's a really good tip. All right. What is health upgrade number three? So this is related to number two, but um, slightly different in not what to eat, but when to eat. Oh, and intermittent fasting is one of the absolute best tools in ensuring that your body functions at a high level. So something that I've uh, recently been trying is something called OMAD one meal a day. Okay. And it's been absolutely spectacular. And I'm trying this out kind of testing it on myself to see how I uh, fare during this time with the one meal a day, but it's also a ketogenic meal. So high fat, um, great quality meat, great quality veggies, everything's as organic as you possibly can get. And um, eliminating it so that I just have that one meal a day. And most people will be like, oh my goodness, don't you get tired during the day? Don't you feel kind of down? And the answer is I feel the exact opposite. I feel like my brain is on rocket fuel. It just mm -hmm. feels like it's working. My energy levels have not been higher in uh, at any point, I've been doing this now for about three weeks, and I feel spectacular doing it. But I've done intermittent fasting previously as well, and it's really beneficial. So anybody who's starting out and thinking about doing this, mm -hmm. the best way to start is to essentially set up a plan called the 16-8 plan, where for 16 hours, you're going to fast. You can have water, you can have tea, no sweeteners, no extra fats included in those things. You want to just have uh, maybe a black coffee, for example, in the morning to help get you up. But you only want to uh, have those fluids during those 16 hours and then have an eight-hour window in which you are uh, feeding is what it's called. Yep. And that's when you're going to have two meals within that time and potentially one snack. But it's a relatively low glycemic index snack, some cut up cucumbers, maybe some hummus, stump, mm -hmm. something like that. And so essentially what you're trying to do is limit the window in which you're feeding, which is going to decrease that insulin response. It's not going to cause that insulin spike. And insulin spikes are known to be the trigger for all of our other health challenges. Insulin is the king of the hormones. And what intermittent fasting does is it slows that insulin spike, it decreases it and allows insulin sensitivity to come up. Insulin resistance is the precursor towards like a diabetes, a type 2 diabetes, for example. And it's a sign that your cells can't handle the excess sugar coming in. They don't want to do it. So they stop producing these insulin receptors on their cells. Mm -hmm. So they don't want to take in any more sugars 
to produce energy. And what happens is our blood sugars start to go up because of that. With intermittent fasting, we're not sending that insulin in as often. And so the sensitivity of those cells to insulin increases because they say, yeah, sure, I can take it. And it's not coming in too often. I have a great analogy about this in the book, but essentially think of it like the grill guides coming to your door and knocking on your door every day, three times a day, trying to sell you cookies. What would eventually happen? You would stop answering your door. You would get so tired of it, you would become resistant to grill guide cookies. Mm -hmm. And so if they came once in a while, then it's not so bad. But if they're coming constantly, it's like insulin constantly knocking at your door, you're not gonna mm -hmm. wanna take that in. So when we decrease that feeding window, when we decrease the, the carb load, the glycemic index, the insulin levels don't go up and so our cells can handle it for a longer period of time. So that's why I really like intermittent fasting. At the other side of this, it actually saves you but a bit of money because you don't have to have three meals per day. Who Are says you eating less calories? So is uh, that the... So not necessarily. That's, that's the big thing, especially if your diet is going towards healthier fats. We know that fats have more calories per gram yep. by a long shot. So uh, sticking to that, that healthier green, clean, lean plus healthy fat and adding on the intermittent fasting, calories wise, you're generally going to hit that same level. It's just how are you using those calories? How are you reacting to those calories? Mm -hmm. And I know what a question is that I'm sure we'll get from a lot of the listeners. If you're doing the OMAD, is that what you called it? O-M-A-D? Yes. What time are you supposed to eat this meal at so that you're not thinking about food the rest of the day? You can absolutely choose a time that works well for you. Cool. Um, and it, it, this one requires some, some training. This requires some, some decreasing of that feeding window. Before I started doing it, I decreased that window from eight hours down yeah. to six for a couple of days, down to four, down to two, and then down to one hour. Gotcha. And that OMAD meal generally is consumed over a, a full one hour period um, okay. rather cool. than um, like a two or three hour period or, or scarfing it down right away as well. What I do is I uh, very slowly am eating, making sure that I'm chewing every bite, making sure that I'm putting my fork down between bites um, and eating over at least a 45 minute to a one hour period so yeah. that I don't then feel hungry. And I'll tell you honestly, I personally do not feel hungry when I do this. Um, occasionally I'll start to get some grumbling in my stomach around noon or one o'clock. Uh, but that is something that when I'm sitting at my desk and I'm focused on what I need to do and my brain is on rocket fuel, I don't really feel it. So um, I do six to 7 p.m. for that one hour. Uh, that just seems to work well for me, for my family as well because like 5 45 6 o'clock is when my daughter gets really hungry so it kind of works out for that uh, so i do six to seven but anybody you can kind of choose what works well for you if you don't have any appointments between three and four go for it if you don't have any appointments between 12 and one go for it find a mm -hmm. time that works for you if this is something you're willing to try love that yeah it's definitely something that i want to experiment with and i think even just for people who have never practiced any type of intermittent fasting before like it's just good to get back in touch with the fact that you don't need to be eating at all hours of the day, especially if you're not hungry, right? Some people are snacking late into the night and then they wake up and they think, I have to have breakfast now. It's like, you know, where are we getting these crazy rules from? Because your body doesn't need that much food. So i um, bring that up because um, oftentimes I'll, I'll bring this up with people. I'll say, uh, finish this sentence. Breakfast is, and most people will say, the most important meal of the day. Yeah. That's where that statement actually came from. You're going to love this. 
It was uh, done by a gentleman uh, in early 1900s, I believe it was around 1915, um, a doctor in the United States by the name of Dr. John Kellogg. I was going to guess that. So that was, that phrase was popularized by him. Yeah. And I believe there was some uh, ulterior motive to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one's certainly one we want to debunk, I think. All right, so we've done the breathing, the diet, the intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating. What would be health upgrade number four? This one's an interesting one, and it was part of what came up in the research for my book, and it's uh, listening to music. Love it. So there are some very cool tips that I found out while I was researching, but nothing cooler than uh, this one specifically. So in my book, I talk about the vagus nerve and how to improve rest, digest, and recovery. And uh, that's measured using heart rate variability. So I've got my aura ring on, which tracks my heart rate variability over the nighttime. There's a bunch of tools. Heart math is a great tool for it. Um, Elite HRV is a wonderful tool for it. Um, Apple watches are starting to add in the HRV tool as well. Mm -hmm. But heart rate variability is a direct sign of how strong your vagus nerve is. And there was a really interesting research study that was done um, and replicated that uh, there's certain types of music that really trigger uh, increases in HRV. So essentially what happened was there was a group of subjects that were told to listen to music, um, different types of music, and they were measured pre and post with their HRV. And there was a specific type of music that stuck out to increase HRV levels significantly. The, uh, that was classical music. Really interestingly. So classical music was triggering this increase in HRV, but there was a specific artist that seemed to uh, have even a higher level, a, a specific boost in HRV, and that was Mozart. But even deeper than that, there was a specific piece by Mozart that had a significantly higher HRV boost than any other piece. And it blew me away to think about this. So I started listening to it while I was writing the book. And it really did uh, create a sense of focus and an opportunity for me to just get into a state of flow while I was writing yeah. the book. So anytime I'm sitting there just creating content, building out what I need to do, I'll pop this on on YouTube. It's called K448 Two Pianos by Mozart. Awesome. And we just listen to that on repeat? Listen to it on repeat. Go for it. It's a wonderful little piece of uh, composition. And it just, um, you can feel the ups and downs kind of happening, but it just keeps you in a state of flow. And I've heard multiple people uh, that have had significant kind of boosts in their productivity just listening to that on repeat. So I do something similar. Um, I listen to the binaural beats on Spotify. Yeah, beats have a very similar effect, yes. Oh my goodness. It puts me in a trance. But when I'm not feeling binaural beats, I'll actually put on an album I've listened to like 9 million times. And they're really embarrassing, so I don't want to share them here. But <laughs> if it's a song that I – or an album from start to finish that I've listened to so much, I actually start to just like – uh, I'm not even aware that it's on anymore and it's like screamo rock but like it gets me like pounding my keyboard and it just goes on repeat and repeat so I don't know if there's something there too but I think no, this is a really is. essentially it's taking away a lot of our conscious thought away or our unconscious kind of processing away on onto the yeah. music and it's allowing us to focus and center our attention onto the task at hand I, I, list, I love listening to music when I'm 
uh, in productivity mode, in yeah. content production mode, a hundred percent. So cool. Love that tip. Uh, number five. This one, a lot of people hate, but I'm going to talk about it anyway, because it is so, so effective. Uh, cold showers. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. That's the response I usually get that or ooh. fully cold or can I just turn it to cold at the end? <laughs> so that's a great way to start. So essentially the way that cold showers work is in addition to the breathing exercise that we started first off, it gives us an opportunity to learn how to breathe correctly under stress and the cold exposure being that stressor. If anybody who's listening or if you have heard of Wim Hof, he's uh, just an amazing Dutch, uh, I'll call him genius. They call him a daredevil for some reason, but I would call him like a genius slash athlete. Um, and what he's done is he's developed a system that uh, allows you to learn how to breathe under cold stress with a level of commitment. It's, it's just uh, something really cool. Highly recommend checking his stuff out because you're just going to learn um, how to really improve your vagus nerve function. He has overcome significant uh, challenges in his life and, and uh, been tested out. They, they've inject, injected like bacterial endotoxin directly into his blood. And just by focusing on his breathing, he's actually gotten rid of that endotoxin that in theory should have killed him. Um, just wonderful, wonderful stuff. But he's all about cold exposure as being that weight, that, that stressor added onto deep breathing. So if you can breathe deeply, abdominally, diaphragmatically under the stress of cold, you're actually teaching yourself to remain calm under stressful circumstances. And that translates into so many other parts of your life. And so why cold showers are really beneficial is they trigger the vagus nerve to work under stress. So it helps you stay in that parasympathetic rest, digest, and recovery state. So what I recommend to people, and you kind of alluded to it earlier, is start by uh, having your normal shower. But for the last 30 seconds, turn the shower down to as cold as you possibly can and let it hit you on uh, a sensitive area. So for me, that sensitive area tends to be the back of my neck, upper back area. Mm -hmm. And that really triggers this response where I get really, really tense, I get really tight up. And what eventually happens is I stay there, I close my eyes and I kind of let myself breathe and focus on just breathing through my belly. And within about that 30 seconds usually, I feel significantly better. So as you get better at it, and you really want to challenge yourself further, you can increase the time by which you're doing that to the point where you eventually make that full shower as cold as possible. And what it does is it teaches you how to handle that stress for a long period of time. Eventually, you don't even feel it. It doesn't really bother you. You're able to handle that stressor because your vagus nerve tone gets up significantly. And so that's a lot of what uh, I talk about in the book. But cold showers are the easiest way, depending on what climate you're in, if you're in the north, like we are in the winter, go outside. Cold exposure is really the, that trigger. And uh, what Wim Hof does is he goes hiking on mountains in the snow wearing just shorts and shoes. Um, that's his cold exposure. And he can do these things, which is really cool. Or you can do like a polar bear dip, for example. But start with the cold showers. It's an easy way to do it if you're open to it. And make sure if you have like a Raynaud's phenomenon or something like a Strogen syndrome, uh, don't do that. It's, it's certainly yeah. not safe for you. 
Awesome. Yeah. And I think, you know what, as entrepreneurs, like we need thick skin, we need to build up resilience and tolerance because our whole day can be, you know, a series of challenges. So why not start it with a challenge like a cold shower? So I love that. All right. Health hack number six. This one's a really easy one, but a lot of people don't do it enough. Too many of us are standing in front of our computer, sitting in front of our computer all day. Uh, (laughs) The answer is sunlight exposure. Yes. Sunlight plays such an important role in telling us the time of day. It tells, it plays such an important role in creating proper circadian hormonal responses inside our body. When we go outside first thing in the morning, middle of the day, in the evening, when we watch the sunrise or the sunset, we're actually telling our body what time of day it is. And like we want to go and look at our watch or check our phone to see what time it is. That tells our brain what time it is but it doesn't tell our body what time it is. And our body works off of nature. It actually is is so strongly in tune with what's happening outdoors. Raccoons don't know what time it is, but they know based on the sun, based on the light, that they wanna go out at night. The same thing happens with any animal. And we're animals to begin with. We just have this conscious processing, which is different. But sunlight exposure is so important. So sunlight exposure through the eyes, what it's actually going to do is trigger a serotonin response. It actually is going to create a level of happiness and good mood and create that feeling that we are um, feeling really, really good. And that's why so many of us, when we go on vacation or we get into a sunny climate, fly down to California, go to the Caribbean, wherever, you just feel good. And sunlight does that. It has that specific effect of boosting serotonin. But what's really awesome about that is serotonin then breaks down into melatonin and melatonin As you see the sun set, we start to produce that melatonin in our bodies, which tells us it's time to rest. It's time to calm down. It's time to sleep. And so it triggers a reaction that allows us to sleep deeper and create a a proper growth hormone response, a proper recovery, which we now know sleep is so important for. Love that. I think, yeah, getting outside when we have sunshine is one of the most therapeutic things we can do as people who are constantly on our computers, constantly on our phones, like every few hours or every few calls, schedule in that outdoor break and soak up that beautiful sunshine. It's something that we don't often schedule into our calendars, but it should be the same priority as recording a podcast or getting on another Zoom call. So love that tip. Okay, we are on to health hack number seven. This is a really simple one that anybody can institute um, even a couple times a day. And doing this consistently is really going to work on your vagus nerve. So it's actually gargling with salt water. Oh. So this one's really interesting. Uh, when I was doing my research for vagus nerve um, stuff and, and for the book specifically, I found that uh, about 80% of the information on the vagus nerve actually comes from the gut back to the brain. And not just the gut, but every organ essentially within the body. Um, 15% of information goes from the brain to all of the organs within the body. That's parasympathetic information telling it either to shut off or to start up. Don't need to get into that right now. Um, 1% of the information on the vagus nerve actually goes to skin of the ear, which is really interesting. And it's a, a tool that anybody can use if they do have vagus nerve issues. Acupuncture is a wonderful tool. Auricular acupuncture, acupuncture of the ear. Uh, in a very specific area, it has been shown to uh, trigger vagus tone and increase HRV. But the last 4% of information on the vagus nerve actually goes to the muscles of the back of the throat and to the muscles of the larynx. And 
gargling is one of the best ways to create that muscular response, that tonality within those muscles. And this is a really interesting tool. So oftentimes I'll, I'll have people come in and I'll listen to how they're saying things, what their voice sounds like. And they'll come in and they sound very monotone. They sound very, hi, I'm talking like this. This is the way I speak. I can't raise the pitch of my voice where yeah. people that tend to be quite healthy and have very strong tone are able to go into a very, very high pitch or a very, very low pitch very easily. And that is a sign of vagus tonality. If you don't have pitch in your voice, it's a sign that you are not functioning very well there and that those muscles are not very strong. And when muscles are not strong, we have to look at the nerves that innervate that. And in this case, it's the vagus nerve. So gargling is a really simple tool that anybody can use to increase the tone of those muscles and get more information through the vagus nerve to those muscles. So gargling is really easy. Keep a glass beside your sink and every morning, every evening, when you're brushing your teeth, uh, put in some warm water into your cup, throw a little bit of salt in there. It helps to break up some of the plaque at the back of the throat and take a sip and gargle as hard as you can. Do that for about 30 seconds times three sips in the morning, 30 seconds times three sips in the evening. And what it's going to do is it's going to create that muscular response and really be an exercise for those muscles. Muscles we generally don't think about is the muscles at the back of the airway, the pharynx and the larynx. And so this gargling is a wonderful tool because what it's doing is it's creating uh, an airway response because we need to ensure that air is flowing out as we're gargling. We need to ensure that we're not aspirating water at the same time because the water is sitting there in our throat and we're creating a laryngeal response by creating our vocal cord vibrations. What that does in combination is like throwing 150 pounds on your back squat and just going for a repetitive um, back squat PR or something like that. The idea is gargle to exercise that specific muscle and doing that consistently is really important and has been shown uh, by, by multiple studies to be a great way to increase vagus tone and HRV. Mm. Well, it's definitely a great one for anyone who has a podcast to do just to increase that intonation in our voice. So I'm definitely going to try that one. Okay, health hack number eight. What else have you got for us? This was a really interesting one as well. Um, and it is in regards to sleeping and how to sleep positionally. Um, also in regards to vagus nerve, uh, specifically, there were um, studies done to see, do we want to be laying on our back, on our side, or on our belly? And what's best for our vagus nerve to function? The answer came out as being laying on your side. Side sleeping was the best, not only posturally for us from a chiropractor perspective, keeps the spine in uh, a neutral position, ensures that airways stay open and um, tools like that. Uh, sleeping on your side is the absolute best. What was really interesting was sleeping on your right side was slightly better. Not significantly, <laughs> but slightly better. So sleeping on your side at night is, is really important. If you can't sleep on your side, back is the next best thing. Sleeping on your belly is the worst of the bunch. Okay, good tip. I'm, I'm thinking, do I sleep on my right or my left side? So now I'm going to have to go look at my bed and remind myself. Um, amazing. Okay, we covered sleep, diet, sun, salt water. What is nine and 10? Let's get to the last two tips. Perfect. So number nine is uh, light movement throughout the day. So for those of us who know about the blue zones, it was shown that those who live to be over 100 in those zones where the highest uh, number of centenarians are, 
mm-hmm. that these people don't exercise. They don't um, go and lift weights in a gym or jump on uh, a treadmill, right? They're, that's yeah. not what they do. They're constantly moving uh, just throughout the day. They're not sitting all day. And so what I've made a point of personally is I have a standing desk. And as you can see, I'm actually like standing right now if you're watching on video. Uh, But I make a point of every single video call that I do, whether it's a podcast interview, whether it's um, a patient call, I'm standing. Yeah. And what that does is it actually uh, gets my posture working at a better level. It ensures that I'm uh, lightly moving throughout the time because I don't like standing on one leg. I'm going to shift back and forth. And it's just a different way to create that light movement throughout the day. So that's a really simple hack. And this tool sits on top of my desk and it literally cost me like 120 bucks from Amazon and it's just pop it up whenever you have a call yeah. and computer and everything can sit right on it. So standing desk, light movement throughout the day, that's uh, number nine. So important. I just kind of want to interject there because I think, yeah, it's been drilled into us over the last five years, like go get your one high intensity workout. And I just think like that is so backwards. Like you should be yeah. moving all day if possible. Love the idea of the standing desk, throwing on some music, maybe the non-Mozart music and dancing around every other call and just making sure that you're not using that excuse of doing a 45-minute hit class to be completely sedentary the rest of the day. So great tip. All right, number 10. Number 10. This was uh, a nice one as well and a really simple one to do. Obviously, a little bit more difficult if we're completely quarantined, but Uh, definitely really helpful. And that is social interaction and laughter. Mm -hmm. Um, Too many of us are stuck at our computers for many, many hours per day. Um, We don't have that ability to socially connect and loneliness and and feeling alone has actually been shown to be the number one cause of all cause mortality um, around the world. And it's linked to obviously mental health issues. It's linked to Um, emotional and psychological health challenges, which are also linked to metabolism and autoimmunity and you name it, all of these things are linked. So uh, what I recommend to people is get out, talk to people, be in touch with others. Um, If you're quarantined, get on a Zoom call, talk to people, try to connect with them, laugh, make jokes. We don't laugh when we're stressed, but we laugh when we're relaxed, when we're chilled out. We have that social connectedness when we finally can go out and have dinner with our friends again, it's going to feel wonderful. And it's something that we all crave. Uh, A really interesting kind of uh, place to look at this is imagine in jails, in in prisons, the worst thing that can happen to you is that you get put into the box that you put into solitary confinement. Yeah. It really goes to show we would rather be surrounded by murderers and rapists than to be by ourselves. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and what it does essentially is tell us that we, as humans, require that social interaction in order to thrive. And so for me, laughter, social interaction is one of the top 10 ways to really improve your health. And I feel like these 10 are really simple tools that anybody can take on. They literally cost $0 and mm-hmm. will have uh, foundational effects on creating optimal health and help you take your health to that next level so that you can continue to build on this. And if that's what people need, then the foundation is the best place to start. You don't want cracks in your foundation. So awesome. Yeah, these have been 10 really, really good tips. Now, before I let you go, I'm wondering, because 
I know we do have a lot of listeners who do take care of themselves and they're probably practicing, you know, seven or eight of these. So if they're looking for like a next level tip that maybe we haven't heard of yet, or maybe it's something that, you know, is uncommonly practiced that you've studied or that you've heard about that can really take your health to the next level that they could try in the next month or two, what would you say for that like next level crazy health tip? Red light therapy is one of the coolest things that's out there. Cool. Um, it's, it's been shown to improve mitochondrial function, detoxification. Uh, we now know that mitochondria are the root of all health. Mitochondria are how we produce energy inside every single one of our cells. And if we don't have strong mitochondrial function, our cells can't do the job that they're built to do. And there are certain tools that help to improve that mitochondrial function um, one that seems to be really, really promising is red light therapy. So something like a juve light um, is really, really beneficial. And really just it penetrates because it's uh, a red light, an infrared light as well would be really great. It's great for detoxification to help pull a lot of toxins out of the body. But it's also been shown to penetrate relatively deep un under the skin and get our mitochondria just sparked right up. There's, there's lots of supplements that we can take. <clears throat> excuse me, to improve our mitochondrial function. But um, red light therapy is one of those really cool things for somebody who really wants to take it up a notch. Uh, mm -hmm. That's one that I would recommend for sure. Would that be like an infrared sauna? So infrared sauna will have very similar effects. Uh, with infrared sauna, what you're doing is you're getting more into the detoxification and pulling more of the toxins out from beneath the skin. And um, that subcutaneous fat is getting kind of pulled out. It will have similar effects, but it may not penetrate quite as deep as like a red light therapy that, that is having an effect there for sure. Very cool. That's definitely something that I want to look more into as well. For so sure. maybe one day we can have you back on for part two for those <laughs> next 10 tips. But in the meantime, if somebody wants to read your book or connect with you online, where is the best place for them to find you? So you can find me at healthupgraded.com. Uh, that's the website for the business. And uh, you can connect with me on Instagram, on Facebook, um, YouTube as well. Uh, all are available. Dr. Navaz Habib or Health Upgraded, both are great options. Awesome. I will link all of those in the show notes for our listeners. And thank you so much for being on the show today. You have a wealth of knowledge in that brain of yours. And it's been really enjoyable just to learn about these 10 tips that, you know, we can all work on improving each one of them in some kind of way. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge on the Visionary Life podcast. And we'll talk soon. Thanks, Dr. Navaz. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis. So if you could help me out by rating and reviewing this show on your iTunes app, I would be so grateful. You can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your Instagram stories. Just make sure to tag me at Kelsey Rydell. If you're feeling stuck, uninspired, stagnant, bored, or confused in what your next step should be, it's time to take action please reach out because I would love to connect with you. I'll catch you in the next episode.